Let's get now uh, into the concluding message of our series on the Holy Spirit titled, Catch the Wind. I want to remind you, we've been in this series now, uh, this is week 11, so here are the topics we've covered, and the ones that you've missed, you might want to catch up online. Week one, we asked the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Week two, so what was Pentecost anyways? And what does it mean to be living now in the age of the Spirit? Week three, what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Week four, how does the Holy Spirit gift Christians to build up the church? And hey, what about those miraculous healings, tongues, and prophecy that we see in the book of Acts? Are they in play now? Verse uh, Week 5, how does the Holy Spirit adopt us into the family of God? What does it mean to be united with Christ? Week 6, how does the Holy Spirit lead us into all truth? Week 7, what's the Holy Spirit's role in our sanctification? Week 8, how does the Holy Spirit empower our evangelism? Week 9, how does the Holy Spirit guide us in life? How is He our, how is he our counselor? And then week 10, what is regeneration? How does the Holy Spirit make spiritually alive people who were once spiritually dead? Not an exhaustive overview of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, but uh, a lot of important stuff, and I encourage you to, to uh, maybe re-listen to messages or catch some that you have missed. I do want to underline um, five things that we learned in this series and then I want to talk very practically about, okay, how do we catch the wind? Uh, how do we raise the sails in our life so that we are being guided by and, and moved by the Spirit of God? But here are, some, here are uh, five things that we talked about during the series I want to underscore. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Simple, but incredibly important. The Holy Spirit is God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has the same character, power, wisdom, will, purposes of God. So, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force into which we plug our lives to empower our agendas. Right? The Holy Spirit is blowing like a wind wherever He goes. We're not in control. He's on the move. The Holy Spirit is is not interested in helping us live the life we want. The Holy Spirit has things He's trying to accomplish, and He wants to do it in and through us. So how do we raise our sails? So number one, Holy Spirit is God. Very important. Not, uh, yeah, He's not a, yep, He's God. Number two, the Holy Spirit is our greatest partner in the sanctification process. If you want to become more like Jesus Christ... Your greatest help is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us, working on us, constantly calling us to, uh, to sanctification, calling us to be like Jesus, and, and helping us do that. And there is no one who is, uh, who is going to be uh, quicker to answer the call when you say, Spirit of God, please help me. I want to obey uh, God. I want to be like Jesus. Would you please help me? Uh, say no to temptation, help me do what is right. The Holy Spirit is there, and He's going to help us. And, and so, the Holy Spirit is your greatest partner in sanctification. The Apostle Paul, however, 
uh, does warn us that we can resist the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. And so we have a role to play. We, we must surrender our wills to the Holy Spirit. And uh, we must in, invite His work in our lives. And when Pastor James preached on this message, he talked about uh, the power of some of the uh, basic spiritual disciplines of church attendance, reading your Bible, praying, and uh, fellowship with other Christians. Uh, the Holy Spirit throughout 2,000 years has demonstrated that He will use those mechanisms, those practices, those disciplines in people's lives to grow them in Christ likeness. Number three, the Holy Spirit empowers the church's witness. The most tangible manifestation of the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost was a boldness and effectiveness in witness. All of a sudden, the people of God were proclaiming the gospel boldly and powerfully, and people were coming uh, coming to Christ. And the Holy Spirit wants Jesus to be known. And the Holy Spirit uh, will help us as we seek to get the gospel out. In fact, in one of the messages we talked about, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin and judgment and righteousness. In other words, and, and people cannot see the good news of the gospel for them apart from the Holy Spirit acting upon their lives. And, and so, in, in some sense, the pressure's off, right? It's not about us being skilled enough. It, it's, it's about the Holy Spirit working through this, and He will do that if we're faithful. We also talked about, look, if you want to experience the Holy Spirit's work in your life, get involved in the mission that He cares about. Uh, he, you will find Him helping you, empowering you, encouraging you, working in and through you when you're engaged in evangelism. Number four, we talked about how the New Testament records a unique time in the church's history. Now, this is important as it relates to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Uh, think about a young man in our church. He was engaged to get married, and his fiancée told him, hey, when we get married, I do not want us attending Clearwater Church. Why? She said, it's obviously not a spirit-filled church. Why? She said, because where, where are the miraculous healings? Where is the speaking of tongues? Where are the prophetic words? So, in her theology, which is the theology of many... When you read the book of Acts and the New Testament, um, you see what should be normative today if you're living a Spirit-filled life or if the church is Spirit-filled. One of the things that uh, Pastor James reminded of us is he said, look, the book of Acts is recording a unique time in church history. It's the beginning of the church. The apostles are out and about. The, the New Testament scriptures had not yet been written and, uh, and, and received by the church. Um, and so, although God does not say what He won't do, so He hasn't bound His hands, and we're absolutely not saying God won't do this or that, um, we do not believe that it is to be expected that every Spirit-filled church will be experiencing miraculous healings, tongues, and prophecy. Not, and, okay, a... a a word of caution. Now, here's, a, here's another a story that I shared Thursday night. I hadn't intended to share, but somebody afterwards um, 
said that was important. So let me share it again. When I was in college, I was um, leading a college ministry. I don't know why they were my peers, but there I was, uh, preaching every Saturday and Sunday. And there was a, a small group of us that seemed to be experiencing some spiritual fervency and some sweet times with the Lord. Uh, there were a few weeks when, when we would get together and pray, my whole body would just shake. A number of us were having these kind of physical manifestations of the Spirit is what we would have, uh, what we thought. Uh, just whole body shaking, deep fervency. Um, one of the young men uh, believed he was having a vision from the Lord and um, some stories, some stories. But one evening after we had one of these prayer meetings, there was, I, I, I found one of the college girls kind of off by herself crying. And I went up and I said, what is wrong? And she said, God's, God is gifting you and these few others with these dramatic experiences and uh, manifestations of His Spirit. And I'm wondering, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't God love me that way? And something in me just said, Mm-mm, this does not feel right. Uh, and, and I backed away from all that. And I just said, it does not, doesn't feel right to me. Uh, and so I stopped the pursuit of that, personally, of, of those more dramatic. And here's where I've come down. I've come down in many places, but listen. What would you rather take? What would you rather see? Somebody say, my eyes are open to my sin. I repent. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I receive His forgiveness. I'm committing my life to Him, and I'm going to live a whole new way. Or, or a broken leg being healed. Which is more miraculous? Somebody who's been, you know, caught up in a particular addiction, and then, the, and then with the Holy Spirit's help, they get to walk in freedom. Uh, a marriage that gets reconciled. Uh, the, the, the reapproachment of children and, and their parents. And, and one of my uh, professors in, in uh, seminary said, he's actually a, a world-famous theologian, uh, D.A. Carson. He said, never despise the normal functions of the local church. He said, we get caught up in the, in the, uh, the exciting, dynamic, the big but remember, the vast, vast majority of Christians have been won to Christ and discipled in Christ in little tiny church communities all across the world throughout the centuries. And so I do not believe that because, just because we're not, you know, uh, let me lay my hands on you and people are falling down and, and people are getting up and saying, I have a word of knowledge from God. And just because we're not seeing that happen in, in our community does not mean that we are not a spirit-filled church right? The Holy, is the Holy Spirit comforting people, counseling people, challenging them to become more like Jesus Christ? Are people coming to you? See what I'm saying? Number five, the primary way the Holy Spirit works in our lives is through the application of Scripture. The Word of God is, is uh, sufficient so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. The primary way the Holy Spirit works in our lives is He takes the Word of God 
and he applies it to our lives. And he lives within us, and he, and he interacts with our minds, and he brings biblical principles and biblical uh, scriptures to mind as we go through life. And he says, hey, that's not right. Ooh, you should, you know, that's clearly the will of God. And um, that's the primary way he leads us. The primary way he transforms us, primary the way he guides us is through the application of scripture. And um, I'm concerned about uh, a group of Christians who, who believe that they have a, a direct line to heaven and they get marching orders from the Lord on everything and they don't even feel the need to, why do I really need to know the Bible? Because if God wants me to do something, he's just going to tell me directly by the Holy Spirit. And they assume that, 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 that they're listening perfectly, right? Uh, and, and sometimes it can become manipulative. Sometimes I think people can be deceived. Uh, and, and not saying that the Lord won't give um, specific uh, direction and instruction for you outside of the Scriptures, never, never in contrast with the Scriptures. But the primary way that the Holy Spirit works, by, by far and away, is taking the Word of God and applying it to our lives. And, and, and if you are denigrating that and relying upon your personal connection and your own ability to hear from the Holy Spirit what, you should be, what cereal you should eat in the morning, well, I'm being hyperbolic, um, or other things, you're at risk, I think. Okay, so those are some of the things that we have talked about in this sermon series. Uh, and if you were surprised at those things, ha, you have other sermons you could listen to. Now, let me talk about, uh, very practically, I want to I conclude the series by talking about if we want to be led by the Spirit. Let me, let me read, uh, by the way, remind us of Galatians, where Paul talks about, Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about um, walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit. That's the first analogy, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, desires of the Spirit against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, so walk by the Spirit, now be led by the Spirit, you are not under law, but the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enmity, or envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like that. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions. If we live by the Spirit, there's the third one, let us also walk by the Spirit, the fourth. So we have walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, I guess three analogies. Which is, is I think, the Apostle Paul's way of talking about raise the sails in your life so that you can catch the wind, so that the Holy Spirit is the one moving you and directing you in life. So let's talk about, if you want to be led by the Spirit, three don'ts and three do's. But first, let me just pause and say, do you want to be led by the Spirit? It's not a given. I Hopefully, as a Christian, you, your heart says yes, but if you're led by the Spirit, that means you're not being led by your own agenda, 
and your sin nature and, and the world. And so why do we want to be led by the Spirit? Well, I think one of the key ways is how are we going to live when we're in heaven? What's a heavenly life look like? I think a heavenly life is a life that is perfectly led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. And so the more that we can be led by the Spirit today, the more we begin to experience kind of heavenly living. And Jesus, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the full. And so life by the Spirit is truly the path to the abundant life and to a truly rich life as defined by God. Okay, so three don'ts. Want to be led by the Spirit? Number one, don't follow a culture that isn't following God. Now, there are things in our culture that are in harmony with the will of God, fine. But, there's, but I don't think anybody would, would claim that dominant American culture doesn't care about God, is not interested in what God wants, isn't trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. And so if we just go along to get along, if we just drift along with the cultural currents, we will not be led by the Spirit. Uh, because culture is going to take us places uh, where the Holy Spirit does not want us to go. And, and this, is, this, is, this means that we have to be countercultural. And so let me, let me ask you, uh, where in your life are you going against the flow? Can you look at your life and say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that, I'm not thinking that, I'm, uh, I'm not participating in that, I'm spending, I spent my money differently, I spend my time differently, uh, I talk about different things, I value different things. Is there a true, are you truly out of sync with culture? If you're not out of sync with culture, I'm not sure you can say you're being led by the Spirit very much. So, if we want to be led by the Spirit, number, number one, we can't follow a culture that's clearly not in step with God. Uh, number two, if you want to be led by the Spirit, you can't follow your own desires, your own thinking, or your own feelings unless they harmonize with the Word of God. Okay, so... You have desires, but you have a sin nature. I have a sin nature. Sometimes my desires are for the wrong thing. So I can't just say if I want it, I can have it. As a Christian, you have to constantly be examining your desires based on the Word of God. Does, it, does that desire harmonize with what God says is good for me? So is there any place in your life where you want to do things and you say no? No to yourself. Your feelings. Boy, uh, we're really into feelings, and uh, that feelings are very validated. But the Bible says, my heart is deceitfully wicked. <laughs> so, uh, I have a friend who talked about, you know, the voice of his heart, and I said, you know what I tell, what I tell my, the voice of my heart to do is shut up. <laughs> just, you gotta be, you can't just accept, you can't just say, if I feel a certain way, that's what's true. No. Your feelings might flow from wrong thinking. So examine your feelings. Don't let your feelings uh, always have control. Um, and then your thinking. I mean, you're, we live in a culture 
I mean, listen, our thoughts, don't think that your thoughts aren't formed by the world in which you live. Romans chapter 2, 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, because that's, you will be conformed. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, uh, just because it makes sense to you, just because it seems right to you, it, your, value, um, your moral compass is even being set by the culture in which we live. I mean, how is it that, you know, take for example, 75 years ago, uh, Americans would be almost unanimous in the idea that, you know, people are born male or female, right? And now here we are today in which the vast majority, I don't know if it's a vast majority, but the, it appears that the majority of Americans think, oh no, uh, your sex is, what matters is what's up in your mind, how you feel about yourself, not what your body says. So culture has a huge shaping influence. And, and so you can't just say, you know, if, if it makes sense to me, I'm going to go with it. No, not if it is in contrast with the Word of God. Don't follow a culture when it's not following God. Don't follow your own feelings, desires, or thinking unless it harmonizes with the Word of God. Uh, and final, don't, don't follow spiritual guidance obtained from non-Christian means. If the Holy Spirit wants to direct you, He will use a Christian mechanism to do it. Let me say that again. If the Holy Spirit wants to guide you, He will use a Christian mechanism to do it. He'll, he'll guide you through the Bible. He'll guide you through uh, the counsel of other Christians. He'll guide you through the church. He'll guide you through prayer. He's not going to guide you through uh, tarot cards. He's not going to guide you through the teachings of Eckhart Cole. Or, or um, what's the swan girl? Teal Swan or Deepak Chopra, right? Uh, he's not going to guide you through a horoscope. He's not going to uh, guide you through divination of any kind. The Holy Spirit doesn't play in those arenas at all. Never would do that. And so if you are, if you are seeking spiritual guidance outside of the church and the Christian church and its practices, uh, you're in dangerous ground. And you're right, uh, who's probably guiding you in that would be the evil one, not the Holy Spirit. So three don'ts, three do's. You want to be led by the Holy Spirit, number one, do what the Bible says. Whatever the Bible says, everything the Bible says, that's true. It's extremely hard to actually do. But... This is God's roadmap for life. This is, this is the body of knowledge that the Holy Spirit is using to transform us. If the Bible says to do it, do it. And I'll tell you, if you discipline yourself to do that, you are going to be led by the Spirit. Now, there are, there are things that we want to know that are not spelled out clearly in Scripture. Scripture gives us all kinds of theology, so we have we understand who is God, what are his, what's his will and his ways, what is sin. Um, there's a lot the Bible tells us. We don't have to go seek wisdom for should I or shouldn't I commit adultery, right? Should I lie or not lie? Should I steal or not steal? Should I kill or not kill? We don't have to, we don't have to seek wisdom. But there are some things in life that w- f- for which we w- the Bible does not 
you know, tell us specifically what to do, and, and we would like to, some wisdom. And that's what uh, James tells us. James chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 8, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given him. So what is wisdom? Adam Weinert, when he preached on God's guidance, he said, look, you, we, we often want to know, should I marry her or not? Should I take this job or not? Should I move out of state or not? We want, we want steps to take because we tend to believe that the, that, that the path to a happy, healthy life is making all the right moves. And what Adam said is, look, the Holy Spirit's with you, and if you walk with God with, in humility and faith, He's going to get you where He wants you to go. And He probably won't tell you all the steps to take from here to there. And that drives us nuts, but that's true. Walk with God in humbleness and faith, and, and the, the Spirit of God will get you to good places. And you're not going to miss out. And He probably isn't going to answer all of those questions about should I or shouldn't I. <clears throat> so wisdom, God will give wisdom. Wisdom is not the same thing as God will tell you exactly what step to take, exactly what to do, is it? So here's the way I think, think about wisdom. So in most every decision, when it's not, you know, right or wrong, there are competing values. Uh, imagine that you... Um, are offered a job out of state, and, it, it, and you think, wow, it comes with tremendous career advancement, lots of big pay increase, and that's great. Those are good things. On the other hand, you think, yeah, but I have to move out of Alaska. Maybe you're involved in a church that's really you know, blessing your family, and, and you're growing spiritually, and your church is growing, and you've got, or, or your family's growing spiritually, and you, you've got a ministry here, and you're like, I'd have to leave all that. Uh, maybe your, your parents are uh, older years, and you, you think, ah, then I wouldn't be able to care for my parents. Uh, often, usually in decision-making, you have values that are competing, and wisdom is knowing how to prioritize. Wisdom is knowing how to weight the different values. So, when we ask God for wisdom, we're saying, God, help me to proper, I think what we're saying is, God, help me to properly weight uh, the different values uh, and, and, and why is it when we pray like that, sometimes all of a sudden we feel like, I need to prioritize this, and the decision seems to become pretty evident to us. You know, I need to, I need, right now I need to prioritize career advancement. At this stage in my life, that's what's important. Or, you know what, I need to prioritize my, the, the spiritual life of my family. We're thriving here. That's what I'm going to prioritize over career and money, whatever. But the Holy Spirit helps us feel, awaits that in our hearts and our minds and gives us some clarity. So, do what the Bible says. If the Bible's not clear and you want more uh, direction, ask God for wisdom. Uh, and then final do, trust that God's way is best. So, um, going to James again, Hebrews James, goes on after saying, you know, ask and it will be given him, then verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, 
For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So what I understand James to be cautioning against is having a hard attitude that says, God, I want wisdom, but I'm not committing to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to still reserve judgment to decide for myself what's best. So God makes it clear to you, this is what's best, and then you say, "Mm, never mind. (laughs) I didn't like that answer. I'm going to go do something else. And so there's a a hard attitude which just says, I'm going to believe that uh, God knows best. Even when God's will uh, contradicts what I think is, you know, makes sense or in my best interest, or I'm just going to trust God, do it His way, and believe that He knows what's best and it's going to all work out. Uh, it, so if we'll do that, if we will obey what the Bible says, ask God for wisdom, and then and, and act on what we believe God is uh, revealing to us, we, that's how we live a life led by the Spirit. And, and that's, how we, that's how we have uh, the greatest foretaste of heaven uh, while we're still on earth. All right? Let's pray. So you're taking some time right now to respond, to evaluate your own heart and life. What do you think? Are you... Are you following culture too much? Letting it influence you? Going along with the flow? Are you letting your own desires, feelings, or thinking rule the day? Be the trump card rather than the word of God? Are you, are you dabbling in the occult? Are you looking at horoscopes? Are you listening to non, non-Christian spiritual thinkers, speakers? Are you playing with tarot cards, Ouija boards, consulting mediums? That stuff is all, uh, that is all contrary to the will and, and ways of God. Have you ever resolved in your heart, I will do what the Bible says, period? I receive the Bible as the very Word of God, who is wiser than I, who is good, who knows best. I'll let the Bible direct me. Are you asking God for wisdom, or are you just living life, trying to figure it all out on your own? And do you truly trust that God's way is best? How is the Holy Spirit challenging you right now? Respond in a positive way that honors God. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Spirit of the living God, we are so dependent upon you to apply what Christ accomplished for us through his life and death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. Lord, you apply, uh, Spirit of God, you, you apply that s- salvation to us day by day. Um, we don't want to grieve 
resist or quench your work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.